0: Hello and welcome to PDA Neurodivergence and the Perpetually Determined Advocate. I am your Perpetually Determined Advocate, Cassandra. This is a bi-weekly podcast dedicated to raising awareness and acceptance of PDA, or Pathological Demand Avoidance, which is a lesser-known part of the autism spectrum. My hope for this podcast is to provide a place of learning and growth, as well as a platform for PDAers, professionals, parents, family members, and others to speak out on this condition, as well as providing resources for those who want to learn more. If you or someone you know would like to come on and use this platform to tell their story, please contact me at perpetuallydeterminedadvocate@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Now, let's launch into this episode's topic.
1: Today, I wanted to move back towards a more relatable topic. I try to sort of mix it up between informational and relatable, because that goes back to part of my mission with this podcast was to help create a sense of community. And sometimes it's helpful to hear others that are Working with, struggling with, or finding a way to manage some of the same issues that we are. So you feel less alone. Now, don't get me wrong. This is not a rant session about my child. This is, in fact, going to sort of cover some of the issues with the stress and anxiety of navigating... PDA for both the parent and the PDAer. I really, when writing out my sort of outline of ideas for this episode, that's what I wanted to do was look at this and see both sides of this one because it is, right? It is a struggle for both the parent and the PDAer because they're both sort of experiencing this turmoil that comes along with navigating this. Diagnosis, this condition, right? So, this is going to look at that type of topic, right? Navigating PDA and how that affects both the parent and the child. And this is, you know, any comments I may make about various different struggles that come along with parenting my son, it's not in any way condemning him. I would not change my son. At all. I can't say that I wouldn't want to remove some of his struggles because obviously no parent wants to see their child struggle, but I absolutely love when it's not torturing him. I love the way his little brain works. I I love how it brings him to different conclusions, how he sees things through a different lens, because honestly, it has helped me. In changing my perception of the world, he will see things that I never will. And it is absolutely amazing when it's not, you know, causing him the pain. And the thing is, when you're either a PDA or a parent of a PDA, very often when we sort of suffer in silence, for the parent, it's more not really knowing how to express it. And then for the child it's it it that suffering and silence comes in the form of masking, right? I mean I know in my experience for the longest time before I found uh, my PDA parenting or PDA group that I'm a part of and a large number of people on there are parents, they're also PDAers, which has been amazing, right? To be able to get the insight From, you know, you post something saying, you know, here's something I'm struggling with, and you're getting input from other parents who are dealing with this, but also from, you know, PDAers, people who have grown up with this, telling you, okay, well, for me, in my situation, this is how it presented, which, you know, gives me the insight, because my son is eight, you know, he... He can't always find the words and um, the way to express what it is he's feeling. He's just, he's not emotionally mature enough to really be able to dive into that, explore it and explain it to me. And so having that is really helpful, but not everyone does, you know, and I remember prior to finding that group, there was a lot of suffering in silence because, unless someone has experienced raising a child with PDA or even a, just a a child with some sort of neurodivergence, they can't really understand and grasp the reality. You know, and to, while other forms of neurodivergence do have similarities to PDA, PDA is really a different, you know, entity unto itself it presents with different challenges you know and very often whenever I would try to talk to people friends family members about what's going on they would well meaning most of the time offer you know plan a parenting advice you know Authoritarian measures, or you know, telling me that I needed to try this or that, and it was often frustrating, you know, because you're hearing these people say these things and you know it's not gonna work, and you know they're trying to help, but at the same time, you kind of want to look at them and tell them to shut up because they don't know what they're talking about. You know, this isn't gonna work, that's not how my child works, and I know this because I am with my child every single day and you're not. I know the intricacies of this. You know, it's the same kind of struggle that many of us felt whenever we were seeking a diagnosis for our PDAer because you have <clears throat> psychologists or psychiatrists telling you, "Oh no, it's, you know, it's just this is part of that. This is part of that." Or, you know, we don't see any evidence of anything that leads us to feel the need to test any further or whatever it was. And you're like, I, I am with my child every day. You are here an hour. You're not seeing what I'm seeing. And I think that fact that parents get dismissed so many times, like, oh, well, you're just a weak, pa-, chalking things up to weak parenting. When you have a parent who is saying, look, my child is struggling and I need you to listen to me. That is just wretched. And so, you know, when you're trying to talk to other parents or other, you know, to friends or family, and they don't understand it, it just leads you to stop talking, right? Um, and that's where you get a lot of that suffering and silence. And the other thing is, sometimes we just don't want to seem like we're complaining or ranting about our children, right? You don't want to be the parent who is like, "Ugh, oh, my gosh, my kid, right? You You don't want to seem like you have any sort of resentment towards your child so you don't want to talk about some of the struggles or you know like the emotional you know draining aspect of parenting a PDA or even if you're talking to people who may understand the condition you still don't want to seem like that so very often you you suffer in silence you deal with it and you know there's a lot of people who will Say to, say to me, I you know how do you do this? I don't know how you do this. And it's like, I, you don't have a choice, right? We don't have a choice. You just do. It's just part of it. You just pick everything up and continue on. On the flip side of that, for PDAs, there's that same presence of suffering in silence, right? because you don't want to be judged. And that's a big part of the masking, right? Kids don't want to be judged. They don't want to be bullied or made fun of or picked on by their peers. They want to be accepted. And when you're a kid who is wired differently, who responds differently, and not only that, it is like an elemental thing, right? It is on a very basic level. The fact that these kids react differently in situations, don't pick up on conventional social cues. That is basic wiring. And I don't think we give enough credit to neurodivergent people who mask because I cannot possibly imagine being in a situation where I have enough strength to overcome the basic wiring of my being. And that's one thing like you, you hear about autistic masking, um, neurodivergent masking, and it's, it's seen as okay, well, this is they're kind of covering this up. But I, I don't think that we ever really fully appreciate that. I mean, this is, you're having to dig really deep down and fight every instinct you have to react. You have to be able to circumvent your first instinctual response to something and change that to where you're instead responding in a way that you see other people respond. You have to be able to quick enough, overcome your instinctual response and instead mirror those around you. And that is, that's amazing. And Exhausting, right? And so the masking element of suffering and silence for PDAers is one that, I mean, it's draining them on literally every single level mentally, physically, emotionally. My son is exhausted at the end of the day, but he's exhausted because he tries so hard throughout the day to override his, the basics of who he is, right? And that's, I mean, it's, it's incredible. He is this little bitty thing, right? He's, he's eight years old and he has learned how to mostly be able to control his response and his instincts. Because the school very often is like, well, we just, we don't see that. And I'm like, there's a reason you don't see it right he doesn't feel like this is an environment where he's safe enough to be himself and so he's taught himself how to temporarily change his responses you know so that's one way that i kind of see that pdaers suffer in silence and the other one is you know coming from that place of not wanting to put more stress on your loved ones this is one that I've heard, you know, i not only from my PDA or, but from my 16 year old, who's also neurodivergent, right? He's, uh, he has ADD and anxiety and depression. And there are times whenever I'm like, what, why didn't you, you know, like, why didn't you tell me what was going on? And he'll tell me because you're already dealing with enough. I didn't want to, I didn't want to bother you with this. Right. And that's, that's another, way that, and that's, I guess, not something that's specific to neurodivergent people. I know, like, I, I've done the same thing. I've withheld stuff that I really probably needed to talk about because I didn't want to put any undue stress on someone. But whenever, I know for my little one, for my pda he will, you know, he'll come out, I'm sorry, mom, I don't want to do these things because I don't want to bother you. And again, those are, some pretty mature realizations for a child so young. You know, it's the kinds of things that he has managed to realize, become self-aware of at such a young age. Um, It's really, it's surprising to to me and to other people who will talk to him and they're like, he's he's surprisingly self-aware. For being so young, but I think that comes along with it. you know when you have to learn how to mask, you have to become self aware, and so that just sort of creates that that cycle, right, that cycle of self-preservation for them. but it there is a lot of stress and anxiety, whether you are the pDA or whether you are the parent or you know spouse or whatever it is. When you are dealing with PDA, because PDA is anxiety driven, so immediately there's going to be high levels of anxiety, right? But with anxiety comes stress, and anxiety. That's hard to live inside, no matter who you are, right? I suffer from high levels of anxiety. I am medicated for it. Um, both of my, well, all of my children, both of my older two neurotypical children, and of course my PDA, they all deal with anxiety, right? That one kind of hit them from both sides of the family. Um, and anxiety is really difficult, and it affects the body, right? It does. It physically affects you. Anxiety and stress cause physical responses you know and then stress you have to worry about the release of the stress hormones right your release of cortisol and that can be physically damaging as well if there's too much of it and pdaers are going to have a lot of stress and parents and family members of pdaers are going to have stress as well so you're producing that stress hormone and honestly in our case there are heart problems You know, congestive heart failure and congenital heart (laughs) problems on both my side of the family and dad's side of the family. So, knowing that, you know, you have a child that is having to navigate anxiety and stress in higher levels than most kids, you know, with a family that has a history of, of heart problems, that's, it's worrisome, right? It is very worrisome for a parent because you know as they get older, that could begin to manifest and and cause issues. And, you know, parents of PDAers obviously are living with that tinge of anxiety too because your life is unpredictable. It really just is. And again, I'm not complaining. I'm just sort of stating fact here. There were times for a while, um, a couple, you know, a year or so ago, that I did not take my son to the store, the grocery store, or, you know, didn't take him shopping at all because it would almost inevitably end in some sort of meltdown. But eventually it got to the point where I couldn't really leave him at home with his older siblings because his outbursts were escalating. And he also has um, a tendency to whenever he goes into a meltdown and starts to sort of go into his hate spiral against himself he'll try to run from the house right i'll just I'll just run away so that you don't have to deal with me is is something that we hear a lot. I've had to put um a chain lock up higher on the door um high enough to where I can reach it and I'm not too terribly tall but it's high enough to where I can reach up and and lock and unlock it um, but he can't reach it you know because I had to find a way. To keep him from running. A couple weeks ago, I was sitting in my room folding laundry and putting it away, and I hear, you know, he was he had gotten upset, and I hear the front door, and I had to run out and grab him and bring him back in the house. You know, he had he had made a run for it, and so there, I don't really leave him with the older siblings anymore because I don't want to put that on them, right? So I've adapted. I try to go and do whatever I have to do whenever he's at school or whenever he's at his dad's house. And, you know, there are times whenever I have to go to the store when he's with me, but it's getting a little bit more difficult. I've, usually he's good with sitting inside the big, um, the big area of the basket, but you know, he's, as he gets older and bigger and that's kind of becoming an issue um but for now he's still okay with that because it's like oh now I don't have to walk I can just sit here and ride along the way and play with toys and and that's good because he's getting something out of it so it's not that I have to tell him to get in the basket or place any sort of demand he's like oh I'm gonna get in here so that I don't have to walk and it's like cool because then I don't have to worry about you running in the store um but I mean that's As a parent of a pda -er, you have to be flexible, right? You have to have contingency plans for your contingency plans because you have to be able to adapt in a way that meets your child's needs, right? You have to be willing and able to adapt and abandon plans at times, right? Whatever it is to meet your child where they are and to sort of identify the problem and get it away, you know, and... I love the idea. Like Harry Thompson, in um, one of his posts, said something along the lines of, "Like he was, he was not necessarily ranting. I mean, kind of ranting, but he was just sort of calling attention to the fact that he gets a lot of questions from people with, of how do I get my child to do this or that, All right? And Harry basically said, you know, like." Saying how do I get my child, get was the word that he was really hung up on on that. And he's like, Your your worry isn't what's causing a problem for your child. Your worry is how do I get my needs met? Right? Saying how do I get my child to do this in some ways is how how do I get my needs met of needing this to be done? And that's sort of losing the focus of what is it? Like what what's causing the problem? Um, what, what, what is the unsolved issue here? Why is your child avoiding this, right? What is it that's causing the anxiety that's making them avoid that demand? And that kind of goes back to a lot of the stuff with, um, Ross Green, right? Dr. Ross Green, and looking at these unsolved problems, looking at, you know, lagging skills. Um, what is it that your child is struggling with to make them demand avoidant? In this situation, you know, what, what is it that's causing that anxiety spike? And I mean, obviously many of us have found ways to sort of rephrase requests of our PDA kiddos, right? To where you're not issuing a demand. You're just sort of like, you know, basic example. I'll in the morning, whenever we're getting ready for school, um, I'll just, I'll tell Declan you know, I've laid your, your clothes are laid out on your bed. I don't tell him go get dressed. I just tell him his clothes are laid out. Um, and so I'm not saying don't do that. That's, that's not really the point I'm trying to make there. It's the point I'm trying to make is more focus on not making your child compliant, not finding a way to make your kid do what you want to do, but more looking at what it is that's causing the blockage, right? Don't try to push through that brick wall that your child is running up against. Um, Find a way around it. Find what's causing the issue and then work with that, right? It, It can't be all about getting your needs met and your demands met through completed requests, right? (laughs) It's one we are all very familiar with. And I mean, it can be be stressful, right? The worry over whether or not a meltdown will ensue, uh, the tragedy of watching your child suffer through extreme emotions and potential hate spirals is rough. And as they get older, you add in the physical exhaustion that comes from having to restrain a child to prevent them from getting hurt, hurting themselves, hurting others. And all of that is taxing on the body, and they equally affect both you and your child, right? Because you're having these, you're, you're struggling with this. You're stressed about how this situation is unfolding and trying to protect your child and then the physical exhaustion from trying to put them in some sort of protective hold. But they're also experiencing these extreme emotions. They're fighting you just as hard to break that hold as you are to keep them in it so it's it's really hitting you both at the same time and it's taking a toll on you both physically mentally and emotionally I'll tell you right now for me with stress I I hold stress in my shoulders and my upper back and my knots have knots okay (laughs) they just do um lately there has been a little bit more stress there's there have been changes in his days at school because one of his teachers was out, and so he's had a substitute. And that shift is: you know, does this person understand me? Am you know? Am I going to get in trouble faster? You know? Is this person going to like me? Are they going to be upset with me? That's that's stressful. That's anxiety-inducing, right? And there have also been a couple days where instead of his dad taking his older brother to school and then Declan riding the bus from here from the house um, I've had to take you know his dad's been out of town working so I've had to take the older brother to school which means I then have to drop Declan off because I can't get back before the bus so that's changing how he's getting to school and whenever you have these shifts these changes this creates a certain level of uncertainty and he has on the way to school because he's His anxiety causes him to be physically ill at times. And so as we're driving to school, he's back there feeling very nauseous and we have, you know, a a container in case he gets sick and he'll be back there, you know, not necessarily throwing up every time, but kind of gagging and retching a little bit because there's all of that anxiety kicking in because these changes in his day as it's barely getting started, right? And... That removes that the comfort of routine and sameness, and it snowballs right throughout the course of the day, and then it comes tumbling out when he gets home, whether that's my house or his dad's house. Home is a safe space where he can throw off the mask, and he knows he can be himself without judgment. And that's, I think, one of the things about raising a PDAer that is so bittersweet. You know, you are grateful that your child feels comfort at home. You're grateful that you've created a space that makes them feel comfortable enough to be their true self in any and all of its varieties. However, it also means sometimes that home is a place where all of that pent-up anxiety floods out when the mask is removed. None of us want to watch our children struggle, flail, or experience all these painful emotions. But often home is a place where so much of it happens. We want our homes to be places of joy and happiness for our children. And knowing that we can't guarantee that is a hard pill to swallow. You know, for me, I struggle with it on two fronts. And one is that feeling of helplessness, right? As a mom, I want to help my children through their hard times. I want to take away the hurt. You know, that's my job. I'm here to fix it. And with him, I can't. I can't stop the storm. All I can do is be the calm in the storm. And that has been a hard one to accept. But over time, I realized that for him, being that calm in the storm, being that force that no matter how many times he gets upset or throws things or breaks things, knowing that I'm still going to be there, I'm still solid, I still love him, for him, that is the same as whenever I would try to stop or avoid the storm with my other kids, right? For him, that's that's the same thing. So in some ways, I am sort of helping I can't stop the storm, but I can help him learn how to calm it. I can help him learn how, you know, to see that this is one anchor. This is your solid ground, and that's never going to change. And so I've kind of had to adapt. Again, it's what a PDA parent has to do, right? The other thing that I struggle with, though, I think, and this one has been really the hardest, is that pain of knowing that my child's brain is robbing him of a happy childhood. Yes, he has happy moments. He has happy days even, you know? There are times whenever he has great days. Not all days are bad, you know? There are times whenever things can be great for a stretch. But he has had to learn how to navigate and experiencing like emotional turbulence At such a young age, he has had to learn how to deal with things mentally and emotionally that some adults have never had to learn how to deal with. And finding out and figuring out and experiencing that sort of turmoil, it leaves scars, right? It causes trauma. And knowing that he will have to continue to fight to survive, through those years that are supposed to be carefree and fun, it breaks my heart. It's so hard knowing that, you know, he's not going to have those carefree memories. You know, and as parents, that's what we want. We want to make our children's lives as easy as possible. You know, yes, they're going to have to experience some issues. And, you know, any kid has to experience some sort of uh, turbulence and and things like that and upsets and you can't shield them from everything. You need to help them learn how to navigate and manage these things. But when you're parenting a child that has any form of neurodivergence, they're being hit with things and feeling things a lot heavier than most kids do. And they're having to learn how to navigate pretty serious emotions much, much earlier. And it really does Rob them of that carefree childhood experience, and that's that's one that I think has been really hard for me is seeing that and knowing that, and knowing there's nothing I can do about it. That feeling is it, it cuts deep, that has caused a lot of a lot of tears, but that's that's more me, right He doesn't realize what he's at this point anyway what he's missing out on i'm sure as he gets older that he'll come to realize that and it could cause some levels of resentment for him but for now that's more just a me issue but i think it's something that goes a hand in hand with that stress and anxiety that comes when you're raising a PDA'er. and i just kind of felt like we could probably all use um A relatable episode one that we can all sort of look at and say yeah yep I understand you know I've been there because again building that community is a big part of what I want to do with this so hang in there parents I'm here with you and I see you and I love you
0: As always, you can email me with any questions, comments, constructive criticism, or concerns at perpetuallydeterminedadvocate at gmail.com. You can also find the podcast on social media. Just search PDA Neurodivergence and the Perpetually Determined Advocate on Facebook or Instagram. And until next time, remember, in a world where you can be anything, be kind.